Hello friends, how's it going? My name is Matt Barr and you're listening to the Looking Sideways podcast, the show where I examine life through the lens of skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding and other related endeavours. It's episode 222, believe it or not. So thank you for being with me, whether you're a regular or a first-time listener. And I reckon I might have a few first-time listeners on the show today, maybe from the States, given that I've got the great Skin Phillips in conversation. Now, where do you start with skin? As you'll know, if you've got a basic knowledge of UK skate history, or even if you follow him on Instagram over at Skin Photo, where he's currently posting absolute gems from his unparalleled archive, Skin is a skate photographer from South Wales who has surely had one of the most extraordinary British skateboarding careers of all, as he relates during this chat. Completely self-taught, driven by a thirst for knowledge and that, you know, understandable desire to see what lay beyond the borders of his hometown of Swansea, Skin began shooting skateboarding and skateboarders in the 1980s, painstakingly teaching himself the basics over a period of what he reckons is about a decade. He was first published in Rad in the UK, mentored by TLB, who have also had on the show, if you're looking for uh, to dip into the archive. He then headed, this is Skin, obviously, he then headed to the States, where he followed in the footsteps of people like Bod Boyle, Don Brown, Steve Douglas, friends of the show, and embarked upon a remarkable career in the US skate industry. He became a staff photographer at Transworld before later ended up running the entire thing. Uh, He took a role as team manager for Adidas, and he's basically took that industry by storm but this brief overview really doesn't do justice to his career and his outsized influence on global skate culture during the 90s and 2000s i mean skin shot everyone and when i say everyone i mean absolutely everyone i mean just go and have a look at some of the posts on insta recently and see who's commenting on there and the evident respect that people legends of the culture have for him and he's got the tales as you can hear to prove it so that's kind of the overview skins career and then i think it's fair to say that a few years ago he kind of dropped off the radar a little bit he did do a nine club chat i think it was about eight years ago and maybe a bit less but it was a while back and you know in preparing for this like i obviously googled him and the last thing you really see is when he had this shoe for adidas a couple of years but a few years back and then there's kind of nothing really and there had been a few rumors that he'd you know he'd had some mental health issues i'd heard he'd been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and as he relates during our conversation that is all true and as he explains his life very quickly took an expected an unexpected turn should i say after that bipolar disorder diagnosis he lost his work in the skate industry he found himself unable to stay in the states and he returned home to swansea where he's been ever since, away from the skate industry and concentrating, as we discuss in some detail, on coping with and dealing with the new realities of his life. And that's where I went to see him early in January 2024 at his home in Swansea. Now, Skin is one of these absolute legends who I've long wanted to interview for the podcast. Like I say, that CV alone would be reason enough. We've got a fair few mutual friends in the UK and in the States, And when I mentioned I was chatting to Skin to some of them, they all pretty much responded by, you know, confirming what a legend he was, but also confirming that they'd not really heard from him for a while. And they were looking forward to hearing how he'd been getting on. Um, 
like I say, a few indications that he'd been having a pretty challenging time. So when I realised I'd be in Cardiff for a work thing, I asked another mutual friend, Mark Evans, to tentatively do the introductions and to see if Skin was up for having a chat. And I'm very glad to say that he was, and we did. And this is a really powerful and poignant conversation. We cover the history, obviously, but we also cover plenty of themes that aren't discussed too frequently in our worlds. I mean, we're long used to hearing tales of riders being left behind by the industry, you know, pros, once they've outlived their usefulness, and how lonely that can get very quickly. But Skin, I mean, Skin is at the absolute top of the game for almost two decades. His contribution to skate culture, as you might be gathering, is truly immeasurable. He counts some of the best to ever do it, and when I say that, I ain't using those words lightly, amongst his closest friends. So this is an extremely affecting conversation to hear his story about how abruptly the good times ended, how quickly his career in the industry unravelled and how he's coped with such an abrupt change of circumstances with all the mental challenges this has entailed. This is a story about what happens once you've experienced the highest of highs, sure, but it's also about the challenges of dealing with the diagnoses that changes your life overnight when there's not a safety net in place and when you're left to work it out with very little support. It's also about the last 30 years of the UK, the political manoeuvring that has wrought such havoc during that time, as epitomised by Skin's South Wales home turf. It's also about British working class culture, this, and how things such as skateboarding, football, I know that winds people up. And I, I quite often see, like, you know, people posting those dickish memes about football and skateboarding, about like, oh, you know... Look at them all rolling around. They wouldn't cope with skateboarding. But, you know, fact of the matter is, like, football and skateboarding for certain working class communities are equally as important. And I think that is kind of the, the case for skin. Certainly the case for me. Um, on a par with music and art. You know, these things are light in the darkness for um, for an entire class, really. So we talked about that as well. Um, I'm very, very grateful indeed to Skin for welcoming into his home, for being so open and trusting with this powerful and poignant story. He really didn't have to do this, didn't know me from Adam other than the intros. And um, he was really welcoming, really honest. And this is uh, this is an important one, I'm going to say. So I'll be back at the end. But in the meantime, here's me and Skin Phillips. Enjoy. You never know, dear. No, I lost me. Got these fucking shit headphones. Like broke me, so it sounds really weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love that drive. Like when you come, Patalbot, right? When you come past that steelworks. Yeah. And then it's Penarth down there, isn't it? Yeah. Where there's like that. It's kind of a little surfy town, isn't it? These Port days. Porth Call, that's what yeah. I'm thinking of. And Penarth Cardiff, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. Porth Call, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Because that's where you can see the steelworks, isn't it? And yeah. when you're there. Yeah, it's every time I drive that road, I'm like, it just goes right through that community, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You they, know, built the, they built the it's M4. A bit closer, mate. Just, yeah, there we go. Built the M4 over the top of the city. That's what I mean. So did they, did they like literally just one of them where they, where they were like, right? doesn't really matter about the community. We're just no, going to put we'll this smash it down and we'll build over it. So they've built the, mo- the motorway, goes over the top of the city. Well, you can s- I mean, there's like literally houses, like yeah. basically on the motorway, aren't there? Yeah. When you see it. The back gardens of the motorway. Yeah. Because mm. a good mate of mine, um, his dad's got a house there. Because he's got quite a few friends from South Wales, so I'm always like quite... Because, I mean, 
it's a bit it's a bit like where I grew up is football sort of music isn't it yeah working class sport yeah skateboarding there's like, no jobs there's no jobs <laughs> and also like the because I grew up in the 80s you're a bit older than me but obviously you'll remember all that these are like the sharp ends aren't they where yeah what happened whether it's like Thatcher or whatever yeah this is I mean when you do that drive I mean you can see it can't you 100% you yeah. can see like yeah. the like that you're almost driving through yeah 30 40 years of British social history aren't you in a way do you know what I mean after Covid and then everything that's happened I'd say maybe a third of Swansea is shut down is it empty like really? shops empty like yeah but like, there's a lot of building though because I've drove loads of building I there's new building they've got new money coming in they've that, built some new stuff there's that weird bridge that gold bridge yeah that I yeah. just drove past yeah so that all looks like it's kind of that's all new it's all like yeah old EU money and I was going to say like it looks yeah. like that but then you also because it's the first time I've been to Swansea I've spent a bit of time in Cardiff but then you can also see like all big cities like there's 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 a lot of poverty around there's a lot of yeah. so you've got that like Contrast. Massive drug problem, yeah. Loads of crack, loads of cocaine, loads of like fucking catamen, and it's 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 not it's pretty fucking rough, you know. You yeah. walk you walk into town, you see something pretty much every day going off, like yeah, a fight or something going on, you know. Yeah. So how long have you been back here then? Came back in 2015. Okay. Yeah. Did you always think you'd come back home? No, I didn't. Also, I'd stay over there. Right. But um. Oh, fucking long story, but pretty much went bankrupt, lost a job at um, Adidas, couldn't get my shit together, couldn't get any new work. Cost of living out there was so much, you know, with the yeah. mortgage and everything. You, were you San Diego, right? San Diego, yeah. yeah. But I always made good money since I was there in 94. Yeah. So from like 94 till 2015, I was making good money and, you know, as soon as that money gone then, I just we couldn't afford to live there. So got, you know, it all went tits up basically but well, pair shit pretty quickly well that's what I always think when I'm in the States like because there's that old cliche and they're over, you know you're one paycheck away from whatever but yeah it's pretty acute over there isn't it yeah because especially your basics to, to, to sort of live are so expensive it's just it's, yeah. it's like housing yeah you got to drive everywhere yeah as soon as you can't afford those things you fucked really aren't you oh, health insurance and all that stuff yeah fucking it's brutal yeah yeah unless you got you know you've got to make good money and there are there are good jobs there is there is a lot of money there all the industries are there aren't they but um yeah it's fucking oh my god it's tough yeah so what what's your relationship like with Swansea now then because as a because I'm I couldn't wait to leave my hometown yeah I never went home yeah and I'm wondering if it was quite similar for you because because obviously there was some driving you to do what you did like to to like leave where you, where you were brought up yeah. and, do, and and then head over there and like yeah. have that career that you had so yeah i i i never wanted to go home really yeah like cuz cuz for me as much as i did like certain parts of it and 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 it shaped who i am i was like well there's a big wide world out there that I wouldn't mind seeing. Is yeah. it quite similar for you? It was. Cause I was diagnosed with bipolar in 2012. Right. And then I got, like, I just couldn't get the grips with it in America at all. And I think it was just overwork, just a bit of everything, really. And then, because um, even though, the, you know, they were dream jobs, they were, like, they were stressful jobs, you know. Like, Transworld was, like... There's never a time off. You couldn't take your always on a deadline, you know. Or travel. Like, oh, loads of travel. 
and it was great and it was awesome but looking back it was just you know it was work 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 there was never vacation there was never time really spent with the family yeah I was working on Saturday and Sunday shooting photos it was just it was just you know loads of photos from it but it was actually fucking a lot of work and a lot of kind of neglect to the family really looking back on it you know yeah it just consumes you some, sometimes. You don't even know you're doing it. And yeah. you're, you're so involved in photography. You just like, that's all, you know, that's all you do is report. So um, then I got diagnosed maybe 2012, 2013. And I just couldn't settle with the doctors over there. I couldn't, but I came back here at an episode and I had a friend who worked in the local hospital, which I was in. And I just, I don't know, I felt like this sort of safety net of the NHS and then I lost everything and I couldn't afford Fucking was financial. It was you know it was right. three grand a night when you go into the hospital in America. Yeah. So it's like I just could not the stress of it. Yeah. I came back here and I got you know more help. I'm still getting help now. So in the NHS, social workers, doctors, whatever. But then I cash bought this house. Luckily, so even though I lost it all, I broke even. Yeah. With debt. So now you know I'm on like fucking God knows what. But I'm not. I'm done. owe money. Yeah. So my theory is now, instead of like, I just been chasing fucking tails for so long, trying to monetize all the photography yeah. that I have, that's not it's worth something in the print something, but it's not it's not worth money per se. So it's been that's been really um, really hard to put that into uh, oh, into shows, books, whatever we're gonna do. So I'm gonna try. And, I've just been chasing fucking it my head against the wall really so right. for five years going nowhere right so my thing now is just to stop and just fucking enjoy it a little bit you know i don't have to really work i can't i'm not gonna starve i'm all right i'm yeah. like I'm, I'm in a good sort of spot really for it's all the shortcomings swansea's still home and i got loads of friends here like i go to the pub every day i got all average age of my mates i'm about 72 73 yeah. i'm doing the, you know down the potters down the Wear the spoons all the time, and I just—I don't know. I've just been like, just not so rushed. Let it just settle a little bit, you know. Did you feel like you—you you had a when? You, so when you're talking about your your catalog and and making that work, if you like, like was that where was that coming from? Was that almost like you had a bit of unfinished business or no? You, the catalog that was just that was just reporting and putting photos in magazines. That's all it was. It wasn't like a a body of work that I had to do. It was just taking photos and writing about skateboarding. Yeah, I mean, but when but when you were saying like you've spent five years kind of banging your head against a brick wall, like mm. trying to, try to, you know, what, what yeah. how do you mean with that then? Like what? Well, what? You, know, you can make, oh, fuck, I just don't think there's money in photography like it used to be. You yeah. know, we used to like, we were missing good money just on editorial and ads as well. You know, we were bringing in like each, all of us probably at Transworld were bringing in, you know, fucking probably 100k a year yeah which is like massive amount of money now looking yeah, back yeah. on it and then um when i mean when the digital age took over and you know fucking what happened so many publishing I mean, so many magazines media houses went dead they were flipping trans world like a like a house when it should have been just stayed mom and pop when it was actually making money and re doing really good but they kept flipping it and it all went to shit financially and then um we couldn't fucking couldn't monetize the you know the work anymore yeah except for selling prints i mean grant does a great job with that people do good but i'm like 
oh, it's just a fuck, to me, it's just a fucking effort. I'd rather like try and put it into books and shows, which I've got some stuff going on this year. I'm doing a big show in a Glim Viv this year. So I've got stuff lined up. And then Neil McDonald's been helping me from yeah, yeah. Science Versus Life. He's yeah. been really good. So he's coming down right now. It's all in bags everywhere. So it's all got to get sorted, scanned, pitched. And oh, it's just like, it's hard. You know what I mean? It's like to just, just, just do a book is hard you might not even make I just it's just a weird um it's just a world that I'm not I'm not I'm not come I just don't know I just don't know that what that world entails you know yeah well you you had you were there like the kind of in hindsight that era of media was I mean it's the sort of golden era really wasn't yeah. it you know with like the, the like you said there was ad revenue there yeah. was money people yeah. were selling like there was there was circulation yeah you know like so there was and then the magazine I mean when I went there in 94 it was 110 pages fucking by 99 2001 it was like 480 pages yeah so it actually you know quadrupled in size skateboarding went boom in the mid 90s it went into this new you know, you're talking Muscle Reynolds, the yeah. you know, that, that era where street skateboarding just went huge again. And then, um, yeah, we were kind of riding that, just riding that wave, riding that um, the sort of seismic shift that happened, you know, in the mid, fuck, early 90s to mid night, you know, the mid 90s when it just went huge, you know, skateboarding went bigger, didn't it? Skateboarding went bigger, tricks got bigger and it got more... It just went to this big sort of seismic shift from street skateboarding that like went, you know, went huge in the mid nineties, and we're still sort of riding that wave now, aren't we? Yeah, really. So you said something quite interesting. You said that in hindsight, you know, that was a lot of money. And do you think you appreciated that position at the time that you were in? I did. I squandered the fucking money that night. I was just squandered. I'd be like fuck if I have money I just spend it that's always been the problem never like I did buy property thank God um, but also the career that you you know that you were having yeah like. yeah I mean you know it was a like, kind of an exceptional I was just lucky but I persisted for so long you know I sent Grant photos in probably 84 I didn't get a photo published till 93 that's how high the, you know, the standard was yeah. really high and then um I worked for a long time at Rad and TLB really helped me and mentored me and yeah. showed me the um, sort of editorial process. And then I, I, I kind of got that early in 92. I did a Tom Knox interview when I was in, went to California and I kind of like, oh, I kind of got that. If you do the words and the fucking, you know, you write the captions, you've got the slides, you've got it all there. Yeah. Fucking editorial team, will, if it's good, they'll take that every time. Because yeah. like when... You know, later on when you're in editorial, you've got to do, someone will do the photos, you've got to organise the words. It's, it's a bit, you know, it's not, it looks like an easy thing to do for a mag, but it's a fucking, no, it's it a takes lot. a lot of work and it's a lot of people doing it to, you know, yeah. all the process. It's like, it's, it was quite, um, you know, it was a well-oiled machine. A lot of people worked there. There was a lot of, um, a lot of steps to go through for the, you know, the finished article. But then luckily I, I didn't ever sign a contract to sign the photos away. So I kept all the copyright, all the photos. My mum, I actually lived across the road there. When I, when I grew up, my mum was like a postmaster, so she kept all my photos there. So th I never actually lost anything. A lot of people lost their stuff in moves. and. Well, they used to, I, I used to 
work at the same publishers as Sidewalk and I just remember like going to you probably know it like permanent publishing in Abingdon, yeah. yeah and you used to go in there and obviously just be all those filing cabinets mm. and I've often thought like why are they now yeah loads of stuff <laughs> I had stuff not sent back all, you know all the time and then oh, it's just been it's brutal and a lot of people just said fuck I went through this when I got back I just nearly like fucking burned it I was just fucking over it I couldn't I couldn't honestly I couldn't look at it for like three or four years really yeah so why was that I think a lot of people kind of went through that I know like oh went through that no one ever saw his photos he locked him he didn't do any books he had like fucking a warehouse full of photos and I think it's just because you can't that's just it's too many memories sometimes looking at it it's quite an emotional emotional thing looking back on it all you know yeah it's it's it is it's not like um it's weird and i found it really um fucking really hard adjusting to the social aspect of it you know your instagram it's all me 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 and i just like facebook upsets me instagram will upset I can't, me i can't look at facebook. i look at it and i'm like for fuck's sake i can't like, look at it yeah, it's, it's just i'm on instagram yeah but facebook i can't look at. yeah i just find it just something to my brain, really. Yeah. Where I, I, I just get a bit anxious. Yeah, yeah. And a bit agitated. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of get that on Instagram as well, yeah. to be honest. But it's a little bit more palatable, like. Yeah. But um, but I do know what you mean. And it's funny, isn't it? Because there's, cause you mentioned Neil, and obviously Neil's done a brilliant job of, like, digi- digitizing that history, hasn't he? You know? Yeah. And there are a lot of people that are really, really good at it. That you know, yeah. that, that do it really, you know, kind of efficiently and, yeah. and, and well, don't they? But it is, it's quite a, they're not mags, are they? No, it's like it's, it is quite a salesy thing, yeah. You know, it is quite a like, well, yeah. look at this thing that I did. And whereas, obviously, in the context of like a mag, it's much more cultural in a way, yeah, you know, like it's much more about like the scene and about what was going on, yeah. Do you think that do you, I think, I think that when, when, oh, fuck, we're talking with goggles on now we um little bit yeah but, but it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm not i'm not necessarily it's better i think yeah it's different when video came along now right this is like like to me and i don't want to take anything away from it i like it's, it's not um i won't say it's not real it's, it's just for tricks like people are going out skating handrails and just doing tricks where it's not really it's not really like skateboarding or street skateboarding. It's just going out and get tricks. There's a difference between like, I'll say someone like Chewy who just looks like a natural street skateboarder. He looks like he goes and rides a skateboard on yeah. the street every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just goes straight to be. And a camera. Yeah, and that's what it's like in Barcelona too. There's just street skaters. Yeah. Was especially fucking in Hollywood and America. It's just going out and getting a trick and then going home. And then that's, to, I can just, it's, lots of it doesn't seem natural to me it is not like a flow to, to it you know yeah so i kind of like well i like watching vert maybe a little bit more and that new you know those new kind of pool skaters and you know your grant taylors and all that lot i love like that like gets me excited and street skateboarding too it does but i got it gotta like fuck i'd rather watch guy mariano you know than fucking yeah than any of the not saying the new kids but i was looking at the thrash the other day it's probably me being five words and not I'm just sort of keeping attention to it and not really. I probably knew twenty percent of the skateboarders in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Of but like, I mean a lot of this as well, you just kinda of said it, but a lot of this is getting old, isn't it? Yes. And especially in something like um yeah. skateboarding where yeah. it's 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 you know, 
fucking cliche alert, but mm. youth culture. Yeah. How did you find that then? Like as 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 somebody you so you said you started getting stuff in ninety four, right? So yeah. what would you how old would you have been? Eighty nine, eighty nine, ninety. Okay, yeah, so end like, of the nineties, so thirty years ago. So you late twenties, thirty, you start yeah, getting yeah, you start tw- get you start getting stuff, stuff printed, yeah. And you start presumably thinking like, all oh, right, I'm gonna start yeah. chasing this. Yeah. You know? And then And then like, you know, like fucking three hundred quid will come in or four hundred quid, which was like a lot of money back then when you get in yeah. twenty quid dole or you know, fifteen quid a week to live on dole hustling. Yeah, yeah doing odd jobs always kind of work doing odd jobs but nothing ever really serious because I was too involved in the um, in the photography but I did find the photography really a really hard thing to learn it wasn't like a natural thing that came it took fucking years and years to get well you said you said basically 10 years right yeah to learn to learn to get to the point where you could yeah. get stuff published. i couldn't understand i didn't really understand aperture shutter speeds very well right a lot of it was on automatic loads of like hit and miss right couldn't sort of connect where i wasn't until i went to the states in 89 90 where i met tobin and luke ogden and they like showed me what to do right do right you know this is the flash this yeah, is what yeah. you do you push this you right and I was like, fucking hell, I couldn't believe it. When I, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. I would never like, I don't, when I was indoors, I'd be using like a 30th, a 60th, and it's always like a 15th at night and indoors. And that was just like, a new, you know, it just completely opened for me then. And once I sort of got it, I kind of progressed quite, especially with the fill flash, I started using like, um, kind of worked out that like everyone was putting flashes on the floor and they put flashes in the photos and I started like putting flashes up top yeah. like high on stands and like lighting them a, d- a different way so I mean that was good so and then, and then I mean everyone's still fucking everyone's still doing that like two yeah. plus one lighting it's not yeah, like yeah. it's the main flash it's the fucking and then it's like there's no there's not a huge amount of innovation in that. No, there's it? no, there's no. And, and again, that's not that's not being like. No, that's not oh, it bad. Was, I think that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's like formats that people use, tried and tested, but there's it's not that often that you see any. I, mean, I would say the same with surfing and snowboarding as well. To be honest, it's not it's not often that you see anyone with a completely fresh eye. Yeah, because there's a lot of like orthodoxy about what makes a good shot isn't there yeah you know? so like to, to sort of break out of that and have an original well it's the rule of two thirds that makes it special yeah exactly Arto's really good at that he's well like, he's got he's original got, eye hasn't yeah, he especially 100%. in surfing yeah especially yeah. in surfing like his he he yeah. stands out doesn't he yeah. and I wonder if that's because he's coming at it from a slightly different yeah background and perspective you but know the rule of two thirds doesn't apply on instagram does it with squares you're, no, just you looking at, you're not looking at you're yeah. not looking at it properly all the time yeah you're looking at it like this you never like like looking at it as a as a magazine or a book or studying it you know so that 10 year period you, you, you've said you've used words like work study so you, you know it was obviously like a real like hard apprenticeship if you like yeah so what was driving that then just Where, to just to try and get just to try and get better at it. I was, but I was completely, you know, in love with photography. Right. It, it, it can fucking absolutely consume me. I had a dark, I had a dark room in the bathroom in the house. My parents were really supportive about everything. But it, like all my money would go on film. You know, I'd, you know, everything would just go. It'd be a roll a week, two rolls a week. I mean, that was like fifteen quid. Yeah, not not cheap. It's back not then. cheap, is it? No, yeah. even developing back then as well yeah. was expensive. Yeah. 
But and then that, I did, was it, was and it I went driven? To college, I went to like a local, I did no level, so I used local colleges. That I learned some stuff there. But it wasn't until I, um, and TLB really helped me. He was really good. Like with, with all, you know, like I said, with all sorts of like, with with help really for traveling. He sent me places and we do, we do like contest reviews. We would do, you know, he was good at getting, TLB was really good at, Giving the reins to other people like Gavin yeah. Hills was there along. Like yeah, Gavin, yeah, yeah. Gavin Hills was the editor. Well, he was really. a big. He was a big influence for me. Cause, yeah, cause great, right? You're, really you're, funny you're probably, you know, I was like buying Rad night from about 1990. So for me, that era, and I've, I've spoken to Tim about this on this podcast because I sort of said to him like, "Do you actually realise like how influential you are? Yeah, like for 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 this entire generation, yeah. really? Yeah. So people, I do need to get that." Nah. Um, people like yeah Gavin so because because I basically ended up having a career in the snowboard industry like running snowboard magazines yeah writing for Transworld and yeah you know, all that and and it was people like that that kind of made me think that was possible really, yeah you know and funny thing speaking to Tim like because it, it looked to me as a kid like everyone knew what they were doing. Yeah. You know? And when I spoke to Tim, he was like, no, we didn't have a fucking clue. No, they didn't. Have, yeah, <laughs> it was a bit shambolic in there for sure. It was just like, we just had a go. But it was fun. Like Ed, well, Simon Adams used to work in there. Yeah, yeah. Ed Loftus was working there. And then Tim was really good at like handing, you know. And then he had good relationships with Spike and Todd Swank and all those guys used to contribute a lot. So yeah, it was, he, he had a good, um, I mean, that was our only... I mean, Transworld Thrasher didn't come out for like another month. Well, you couldn't really get him, could you? You couldn't either? get him at all, except no. for like odd skate shops. So you never really saw him. Whereas Rad, you know, like um, Douglas's thing, that's how you learned about everything going on in America. Yeah, the column. Yeah, yeah, the column, Douglas in America. So it was all this. And I think back then it was like, there was no video. But I used to like fucking just study the photos again and again and again. And like, I couldn't. Well, I didn't realize it was all fill flash. Right. It was filling flash in the day. They shot yeah. flash all the time. Yeah. They never shot without flash. I mean, Grant wouldn't shoot till after three o'clock, till the shadows kind of went down, you know. Right. It, it was all timed perfectly. And I didn't get this thing of, you've set it, don't you? you like, I'll do the trick year and I'll shoot it year. Like, I was so, like, I wouldn't really talk to pros. I was so kind of in awe of everybody, so right. I wouldn't really communicate if I saw a trick going on over you, I'd go over the year and try and get it. It was never like, it was, and then I learned, you know, it's like you work with the guys, don't you? You don't just sort of fucking stand there and snap the photo. You, you gotta get the relationships. You talk to them. Yeah. Where are you gonna be? I'm gonna go, yeah, you know, do it this way or do it again. I haven't got, you know what I mean? It's like a, the, the photographer and the filmers are way more, um, they like the coaches in a way as well, as well as the filmers, aren't they? Yeah. They're like, they're there keeping them, Make sure they get the tricks. There's well, more, the, pr- the, photo- the photographers always sort of drove the kind of professionalism of it, didn't they? Because yeah. I guess they had that 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 was how they earned the money, really. Mm. I mean, the, that that was the sort of yeah, that was like a, a a big engine of the the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like so how how long did it take you to sort of start having confidence in your own ability? Then probably I was doing some work for Thrasher, and then I went to. I met the guy, I asked, was with Grant and Dave in Munster in 93. That was the summer when Carl had just gone on stereo. Yeah. And I was like, look, I want to come work for you because I knew him really well. And they were like, yeah, you know, come and work for us. Your first job is 
Carl Shipman spotlight and I shot that. Maybe shot a Carl spotlight in two weeks. I spent two weeks with Carl. Right. That all worked out really good. That was in like September, November issue. It was the same year. And then I went back in November and I got a job. And I went on December 94, sorry, January 94. I got a full-time job there in, in 94. Right. And how'd that feel? Oh, it was amazing. You know, I went from like, in fact, they paid me like a set editorial fee. Right. A photo buyout fee. So you were like... Fucking then, <laughs> and then all, all you know, we always shoot all the best stuff. Usually went to an ad, yeah. And Transworld never like flinched at not giving an ad because that was more money for them, yeah. So that we had an open, you know, they always wanted to have us in an ad agency, but we never, we never did it, right? Because it was, it was, you know, like all the in-house guys were sending, you know, fucking everyone had their own guys that they shot and they kept sort of close and no one sort of stepped over each other and it was all it was all really good because so, you know it was everyone had their own little deal everyone had like so much stuff going on it was just yeah it was just good times really yeah and everyone kind of got on in there at that time as well it wasn't like it just it, it flourished and it was, it was it was good but i think i mean in the end the guys left with the skateboard magnet that that caused in hindsight the fucking the end of it all really it, right it did it, it, it just so many people went i was left on my own to do it i scraped together and, and did it but like when those guys left it then it didn't we never really recovered from that and then you know they went under Transworld went under you know that we're talking like fucking trans would have been worth 250 300 million at one point yeah you know now it's worth Fucking nothing. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah, you know, yeah. All the jobs, all the people that worked there. That at least, fuck, hundred and fifty people would have worked there at one point, and now you know, it's just, it's, it's, you know, and, and then just the history of it's not there anymore as well, which is I don't know, sad. Yeah. When you see like something like fucking an ESPN or you know National Geographic, what they turned into, you know, looks after it, that heritage. Yeah, yeah. They, and they had the potential to do that. Yeah, they, like especially with like people like Coutre there. Yeah, yeah. They had really good, you know, not good editors, but good people on camera there as yeah. well. They had lots of potential. And Nick Hamilton did a good job with the Snow Mag. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they were the first, you know, the first people that documented snowboarding. The first, yeah. The first, you know. Yeah, photos. no, I worked I work closely with Nick for, for a good few years. Yeah. And I mean, he, but, you know, talking of like, he was also shrewd as well yes you know like about how he managed things yeah. and, and and how he kind of even now like with what he's doing with his archive but it's so so when you and john foster worked there too he was like the first snowboard photographer yeah yeah so yeah. foster was like coming in a porsche and you know he was well there was like, money there was money yeah. in that game then especially yeah. early 90s when everyone's like all oh, right snowboarding new thing you yeah. know we're gonna throw money at it like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of money around wasn't there yeah. and also back then obviously there was a funny little period wasn't there where you had Cardio with like a pro snowboard model and like yeah. Caballero had a model, didn't he? Anyway, he had a model on Type A. He did. Anyway, he was a great skate, uh, great snowboard. Well, he had a shot in Questionable, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, had a, he had like a backside five, or oh. I don't think it's quite a McTwist, was it? But it was like, um, so, but it kind of sounds like you were being pushed quite hard by the situation you were in, if that makes sense. So yeah. like you've got to... Then I went in, I went from like an editorial, like editor, like a 
basically the ed, you know, an editor with Dave was over me. And when they left, then I went into editor in chief. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you keep, you keep. But then I went into like a full manager position. Then and right, I didn't shoot photos anymore. I just managed people. And how's that? Fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was awful. Right, know? it was awful. And that, that was the time then when. You know, the digital came in. No one ever mentioned the mobile phone and what the mobile phone would do. Well, and no one knew, did they? No one knew. I mean, everyone was like websites, websites, yeah. websites. And, you know, and they made a little bit of money from that. But it was so, I mean, the company was so big, they couldn't change the website once they had the platform and it was changing, you know, the players were changing and the way it was all going. And yeah. they just couldn't keep, they couldn't keep up with it, really, the way it was all developing. And then... um yeah, and then it was it was just money, money, money. The budget, the budget, the yeah. budget. You're losing ten percent. You've lost fifteen percent. You've lost twenty percent. You got to cut. I had to cut like a third of the staff had to let go. Right. You know what I mean, it was fucking brutal. You know, yeah. like really upset and stuff. Not not me at all, but like right, you got to let another five go. Like, right. Fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that was really rough too. And then you sort of saw. I mean, I've seen this, but coming back, you kind of like. You see the real side of people, what it's like, don't you? When you're like, fuck, only not only your ass, but you don't, you don't. All those people that you thought, like, knew, looked out for you, kind of never did, you know. I always thought that, like, a lot of it was my position, you know. If you shot with me, you'd have a photo in the magazine. Yeah, fucking a lot of people I did a lot of people favors, did a lot of, like every fucking hell the politics. Don't get me started on like every issue. There'd be a fucking problem with someone, right? You know, or you didn't run this right, or this ad was wrong, or the fucking. There'd be massive amounts of just ironing out company politics, or company just moaning, 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 moaning. You know, when all these guys are fucking millionaires, the company owners are right. They've they've made tons of money out of skateboarding, but it was just fucking a lot of time. It was never good enough for a, a lot of people. Yeah. Which is just, and I, I, just, I think that's just the fucking nature of the of the beast of what skateboarding, you know, is and was. There's a lot of like, a lot of bitchiness in it, which which is underground, you know. There's a lot of, um, I don't know. It's a funny, it's fickle. It's way more fickle than I think people realize. Well, it's, I mean, it's ruthless, isn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. It's like a lot of money involved. Yeah. It's like any industry with a lot at stake. Mm. Like it, there's always going to be people that are good at getting yeah. what they want out of that world yeah and 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 obviously that's one of the kind of stories of stuff like skateboarding and surfing and snowboarding as they've grown isn't it like like you said to go from that kind of underground subculture where it's a lot of as you discovered through the people that mentored and helped you there's a lot of support and yeah. there's a lot of but then when money comes in which is definitely what happened in all of them and opportunities come in and it, yeah. does, it does change it there's no yeah. doubt about that i yeah. mean there was i mean that's one of the the sort of key things in it the last yeah. 30 years of these 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 and a lot of the i mean fucking none of the kids are managed properly there's no. no every manager is looking for is 15 percent out of the deal the companies pay the kids the kids you know, they're usually from broken homes, so there's no, like, there's no, you never really a father figure there looking at. There is, but usually there's not. And well, it'd be they, people like you, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, when I'm, I want, like, right, I was always told them, fucking buy property. That's Because if you can buy and pay off property, you've got an asset. Yeah. But, you know, how many people lease Mercs or lease this or buy a Rolex? Or, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just 
free money and now it just and it just goes well, wait, you know, and, 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 and when you're a kid that's what you think you you should do isn't it yeah yeah you know especially when that's what you're being shown as like yeah. if you're successful you should do this yeah you know? and a lot of skateboarders have been really smart with their money and they've been you know they've been wise but a lot of people i just they just haven't which is i don't know it's just the way it is isn't it it's just fucking yeah yeah so that period then when when you i mean i've got to ask this question because i think you know whenever i've mentioned to people we were gonna have a chat Everyone's been like, oh, you know, ask him about this and the other. But like that, that period when you were shooting, when you've come over and you've gone to California, you know, and then there's obviously a lot of Brit skaters that are starting to do well as well, that like we mm-hmm. all know. What 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 memories stand out like from those from those years? Like what good you know, of shooting with people, of of trips, Well I remember when like, Rowley well Dave Swift took Rowley quickly, he he was like his guy. Yeah. And I didn't I, like Tom was kinda of like more my guy. And then um first time that Rowley 360 flipped the Oceanside stairs and he was on the cover straight away and that was like boom you know when they first came over I distinctly remember them like on a fucking tear up yeah. Danny Rune fucking uh, Andy Scott was in there it was like a group of them all lived in Huntington and then Penny then became really good friends with Musker they like roomed together up in Huntington and Penny would always come down so Penny was kind of like this, um, just this sort of free spirit that would just go fucking everywhere he went. He was just the most naturally gifted skateboarder you know, I'd ever, ever really ever seen. Because he didn't, he didn't think about anything. When he'd turn up, he would just do it. You know, he'd just like get into a spot and he would like, you know, he'd get four or five things every time. So that that era fully. You know the the flip guys coming over. I just remember that too. I shot Carl a little bit. Carl was down there, but um, that I mean, in hindsight, that was a big another shift as well. You know, the, the British kind of invasion of those guys. They were like, it was kind of put the UK on the map. And that was happened before with Danny Waves from Board. They were like, but they lived over there, didn't they? They didn't really. Yeah. They didn't come and just you know. And he stayed there for a long time. Well, Rowley's still out there, you know. Penny, he's back in Spain now. But they did, they did a big shift there. And that, like, maybe a stupid question, like, but how much did the Americans know about him? I don't think they knew anything about him at all. So when, so that they did, yeah, they, they did know. just generally they, like they, blow minds when they. I mean, they had a checkout, didn't they? they would, they yeah, would I mean, they, they were obviously like for years they were getting, but it just wasn't really yeah. a thing that the Americans paid much attention to what went yeah. on over here, was they it? Did, no, they didn't pay attention. Like to they it didn't really, all. like you said yeah. earlier, it was very much like California's the promised land, and that's where it is. And if you're a yeah. British skateboard, I mean, even, but even then, it didn't even seem that realistic, really, that you no. might even do it. Like you said, Steve was there and Bod was there, yeah. but like it wasn't like a thing now, was it? You know, no. where, where like, but all right, then well, then I'm going to go. Think that- like for me, when I was a kid, like there was Dogtown, and then we had the Dave Fry's skateboard team, all surfers from Langland, all fucking kids who just kind of just didn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. So when I saw all the other stuff, then I was never really, I can't, I was blown away sometimes in America. Don't get me wrong, for sure. I saw some stuff like the super ramp and all this, like I saw yeah, yeah. like stuff that was like fucking, you know, especially Danny Way when Danny started going big first, like, you know, that, that was a, I was definitely blown away, but I want like, oh my god, this is. I don't think it was that much of a gap between British skateboarding and and American skateboarding. We've taken count like Shipman, Rowley, 
if I go back to Bod, Danny yeah. Webster, fucking, you know, Nicky Guerrero and all these brilliant, great European skateboarders that have come along, you know, and they're still, you know, producing. I mean, look at, you know, like, it's so many like Adidas riders and the Nike riders. They're just, just so, just so good. Especially, I think, all the guys down in Barcelona and all these street skaters, all the guys from Leon, cliche, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on and on. It's just this steady stream of really good European skateboarders which just coming through. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think the skateboarding is more accessible in Europe. I think, like, Barcelona and these, these cities are just, you know, they're like, they're like, they're like capitals, aren't they? You can... You can't really skate like that in LA like you can in Barcelona. You yeah, really and, uh, well, and, and, and London as well these days. Yeah. Like it's just a very, very distinct yes. scene and style of skateboarding, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Which is also like the media around it as well. Well, it's like Palace. Like, I mean, that's a perfect exactly. example well, like of, Tom of, of what. Yeah, yeah. Tom Martin. Yeah. And the films that he makes. Yes. They're so like specific, aren't they? Yeah. You know, like that's kind of how it's developed, isn't and it? And you don't have to go to California to like no. make No. Well, California it. now, it's, it's a funny... It, it, let's just say it lacks that romance, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I guess you experienced firsthand. Yeah, then. but I didn't. I didn't really get that. I, I got it more when I came over. I just when I came back, I, I just was like, like, why have you got to go to Hollywood or America just to prove to prove yourself? And you sort of have, right? But it's just it's a weird thing to to to, to have to do, really. To, to like write a pad, you've got to go to America, and, and well. You don't really, you can stay here and do it, can't you? Which is a great thing yeah, now. Yeah. But again, like, I wonder how much of it as well, growing up as kids in the 70s and 80s, it's not just skateboarding that was like that, was it? No. Like, all culture was basically pointed yeah. that way, wasn't it? Yeah. And if you if you wanted to, it, it just was, there's not much more to say, really. It just no. you, That's the way you looked, wasn't yeah. it? You yeah, yeah. Like if you were the films that we watched, yeah, everything, yeah, was all about that's the promised land. That's where you should go. Yeah, that has definitely changed, which yeah. I think is. I a was positive. blown away when I went to Brazil. Like the focus that they had, like the, the ledge skating that they did, the, yeah, the, the hours they put in, like everyone was just fucking again and again and again going at it was like impressive you know yeah i didn't really see that in america I yeah, did, yeah. but i did not like that not the same hunger nah not the not the same you know putting eight eight nine hours a day every yeah. day it's not many fucking people do that i don't, I don't think in america no do, not many yeah you know so after trans world you ended up at adidas right adidas yeah. or you say yeah. the, you say it the british way like I've, I've been i've been i've had it fucking nailed into me from working with them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And that was brilliant, but it was like we worked on away days, and that was a bit like fucking, you know, jumping into like another. Just it was so much traveling. I thought I traveled a lot when I worked at the mag. Yeah, nothing because you're team to manager, right? As team manager, so you were yeah. basically like running everything. Yeah, it was like fifty, sixty people, kind of like it was like probably like fifteen, twenty main guys. Makes and me it was tired just, thinking it was about just, it. Yeah, it was, and me and Yash were just doing it all. It was yeah, you know, some ma- massive program. It was kind of like it was brilliant. The people were brilliant. Yeah. It was really good, but it was just, uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. You know, it was, a, it was like a fucking, a four person job, really. Right. I mean, the phone did not fucking stop. Pinging. Yeah. It was always like some fucker be stuck in an airport somewhere or, you know, you just manage these kids. They're just like great kids, but yeah. like fucking, you know. Well, and also like if everyone's your mate when you're shooting. <laughs> yeah. When you're working for a brand. Yeah. That's another thing entirely, yeah. isn't it? 
you know. But they got on really well, Matt Irving. Matt was like the artistic, he worked the juice, so he was like running all the creative. I got a little bit of work from that. So I was doing a lot of photography on the side as well, which was really nice at the time. So I didn't really, I sort of jumped back into to, to, to doing more photos, which was good. Yeah. And the traveling was good. I saw loads, went everywhere. It was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. And then he fucking surprised me with his shoe and people just do not stop. Because Adidas is massive over here and it? it's like it's like a cultural thing, isn't it? Well, you, it's like you're either, you're either, you're yeah. either Adidas or Nike, aren't you, yeah. growing up? And I yeah. was definitely Adidas. Yeah. Which I think was probably a lot to do with... It, it was very... It was tribal, wasn't it? Yeah. But, you know, so yeah. I, I get it. I mean, even now, like Adidas has that sort of little cachet about it, you know. So yeah, how did you, you feel, how did you feel about that then? Good, yeah. I was I've always been Adidas as well. Like over the years, I always wore them when I was playing football. As, you know, as a kid, yeah. and they were like you know just a massive, massive firm to me, and especially like you know with all the football. It's fucking what people wear now, isn't it? You see people out there wearing, you can tell he's got a stone line on top. He's wearing fucking still, specials. Gazelle, he's, gazelles he's or specials are still yeah. going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or sambas. Yeah. That's really good. They still send me stuff, Al Borgo. Well, yeah, you've got, the, got yeah. the boxes there. Yeah. yeah. So they still send all, you know, if I want some stuff, they always get me. So they've been really good like that. Yeah. Um, going back this year to see him, hopefully. But um, yeah, I just wanted to do. Miss travelling now. I haven't been travelling. Fuck, especially after COVID, I haven't really been out. I haven't been anywhere for five years. Been right. to London a couple of times. Yeah, like did you go to the fuck, thing? I go that... to London. It's like Mary Poppins. I'm like that. Oh, well, I'm the same. God, I'm, it's I'm, like it's, yeah, it's a fucking. I'm the same. Shock. I'm the same. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. did you go up to the thing that um, Steve and Don did in the no, summer? No, I didn't do. I didn't do that. I went up for a night, and it was yeah, it was hectic. It was, yeah. I mean, it was great. You know, yeah. like what they did, and yeah. the, the exhibition was brilliant. And, and I still am going to that one, the board exhibition. I want to go and catch that before it goes. The one in the Design Museum. Yeah, yeah. So you think you feel like you're ready to? Get- I tried, yeah, but I went. Oh, fuck, I went in the summer and it was Pride and that was just hectic. <laughs> and then I went in the winter then, just for a day, just to try and go and see uh, Bailey and Chewie, which didn't happen. But um, fucking hell, so many people around in Christmas. I found it like yeah, tube and everyone getting cramped in. I found it like really like everyone in your face. I just found it a bit like yeah. Oh, it's full on. Yeah, it is. It's quite, especially yeah. when you like, you know, I don't think we'd realise the, um, what COVID, the effects of COVID have had. They've just fucking made us way more sh- sheltered. You know, a lot of people don't go out anymore. No. It's fucking like, fuck it, I'll stay in. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's fucking, it's hard to, to, to jump back in and socialise and I've become way more reclusive. Like, I don't really like, I should talk, 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 talk. Now I don't like, I don't, I don't do it that much. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm kind of more reserved about it all. Yeah. You still, and you I think, and I think a lot of you know, a lot of people are like that. It's been, it's been a weird one for sure. And effects it has on kids too. Like my son, got a son in America. He's still in San Diego. He's 21. He had no rights of passage. He had no, you know, he was on lockdown for four years. Yeah. He had no fucking graduation. Missed no, a lot. You know. Yeah. We, we got away with fucking murder when we were kids. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Come in when the lights. When the street lights come on, come in. Yeah. And you were just fucking out. Come on from school, go out. And you just fucked around and gone away with fucking all sorts of shenanigans. And yeah. Kids aren't like, you don't even see kids 
playing on the street anymore. We don't in the UK. No. Which is... No. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're doing sort of different areas, but yeah. like... You're doing the valleys and you're doing the valleys and it's like kind of safer, but... Yeah, yeah not in cities really. Yeah. Not where, not really where I live in Brighton either as well, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So when you left... So you, you saw, when we started talking, you, you, you know, you kind of said like, in America it changed quickly then. So, with, yeah. like your situation, yeah, like, are you, are you up for expanding a little bit upon that? Like, so what 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 happened there? Then lost the job because um, of bipolar. I lost the job at Adidas, and then I kind of like oh, I was trying to get fucking work. I was trying to get like anything, and nothing was coming in. You know, I was seriously thinking about doing a magazine and trying to like launch, but that didn't. You know, that didn't really materialize because I didn't need money to do it. Yeah, and then. um because that's all I kind of think about is media. I just think that way all the time. Yeah. Um, and that ne- never happened. And then... And how close did that come to happen? Not, not, I just had the plans. I just wrote it all down. You know, right. I, I had all the budgets. I knew what it was going to cost. I saw a couple of people and they were kind of in on it. Yeah. Wanted to do it. But then, you know... And I think that completely would have worked because, you know, the mag- more magazines have come out since. And that's... I like the idea of a magazine because you can monetize a magazine with advertising. You can't monetize a book. You can't monetize a photo show. You need, you definitely need backing and sponsorship yeah, yeah. to do it. And that's where, I mean, that's where the trick lies, isn't it? I mean, even in collabs, there's not really that much money in collabs, but it's, it is a nice way to get your name out there. And it's, but it's not like, it's not like the media company when you got the media company magazine. You you, you know you got advertising and that and and funnily enough that model does still kind of work. Yeah, it like does on the boutiquey little independent yes. level. Yeah, because because there's a lot of yeah you know there's there's a lot of little mags that that these days kind of bit more high production sort yeah. of glossy value you know like yeah. bit more like annuals almost yeah bit slightly pricier yeah but people will pay, will buy that yeah because because of what it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, that, so there is definitely a market. And I was, book the, sales are up, aren't they? Vinyl sales are up. Yeah, yeah. So we're going, we're actually going backwards in a good way. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're right. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely like a, I think now that everyone's, you know, we're 20 years into like digital life. Yeah. People are like, okay, well that's fine. Yeah. But there is place for that, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So that didn't really work out though, so. No, nothing. And I just went and then I just split up with the missus you know sold the, sold the house and then I just fuck I just made a beeline to come back I just you know it had all gone you know so I came back she sold it I went back in the summer to get all my stuff all my stuff was in just in a storage unit all the photos and a bit of clothing and I just grabbed basically just grabbed all the photos and brought the photos back yeah shipped the photos over yeah that's the only thing I really brought back from there Everything right else is still there have you been back since only in the summer, I went back in the summer uh, that year to do a Gons shoot. Adidas brought me over to do a Gons and I did a shoot in New York and then I tagged on a San Diego flight. But I, I still haven't, like, fucking really. I've talked to some people. Some people have been really good. I've got contacts out there still, but it's not like, um, I know it. It's not like it used to be, you know? Yeah. But you feel like you'll go back. See. Yeah, I think I don't think I'd ever go back to live. But, but, um, but I go go, back yeah, to, I feel like I'm ready to like, yeah. actually fucking do something now after this, you know. Yeah, because your confidence goes, doesn't it? And like, when your confidence goes and you get knocked, you, it's it's fucking hard to like 
to build and come back. Well, I mean, and also we were talking about that. It is quite a natural thing about getting older that you you look at 20-year-olds and you're a bit like, yeah, how do I communicate with this person? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just human. It's just life and it's just yeah. humans. Yeah. But again, like with skateboarding, that is, that that's accelerated that, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's, so how, how do you find that? Like when I you, don't know. I always look, well, see, I'm 60 now in February, but I feel like my head feels like I'm 18. Another, you know, another thing about humans, I think. Yeah. You always feel like that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You know? Especially with skateboarding, it does make you, yeah. f- keep you young. It's funny, isn't it? Because you suddenly wake up and you're like, here I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. But then when I look at like Lance Mountain and those guys, Cab and Tony, I don't go like, fuck, he's 60. No. You think, fucking, he looks like he's 18. Yeah. You same know, with, skateboarding like he's fucking 18. Same, and same Miller some, and all those guys. Same with some surfers. Yeah. You know, still people 70 years old charging pipeline. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, yeah. So I do, I, I do kind of, you know, I, I'm like an old man, but I, I'm relatively kind of young. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In my head, I'm still fucking young, but, you yeah. know, and they're probably lives the problem. Well, it's a bit of both, isn't it? I think. Yeah, you know, it can mm. be can be a problem, but also yeah. can be a good thing. Yeah. But you, so, do you mind if I ask you about your diagnosis? No, no. Because you mentioned earlier, you said you mentioned it quite early, and you said like um, when you were diagnosed, I think you said twenty twelve. Did yeah. you? You said you found it quite hard. Yeah. Like, because one I find it hard to come to terms with it, really, what, I, uh, because. Did it not answer questions that you might have had? Oh, you don't even know you're in it when you're in it. Right. Like a manic episode is fucking brutal. You get completely delusional, think all sorts of weird things that you think are real, they're not real. You kind of fucking alienate everyone around you. It's fucking, you know, like you get pushed aside with it. It's not It's not a nice thing. It's not a fun thing. But but I guess what, I'm, what I mean by that question is, I'm a she, this is an assumption, so forgive me if, yeah. it's, if it's incorrect, but... Getting diagnosed as a as an adult of like f- late forties, yeah. So I guess what I mean is like, did you look back? Which is quite rare. That is right. It came on. It didn't. It, de- it definitely so, wasn't there when I was. Okay, like, right. That's things. what I was going to ask you. Right. So this yeah, is what I was kind of getting at. No. Like, did you look at things in your past and think, all right, that explains it? So it, no, so it yeah. was actually like a late development thing. You think? Well, I got I got abused when I was a kid too in a football team like from a coach. So that was like you know like therapy that I never did, and it was right. all these like hidden fucking a lot of people go through this too they never like get it out and all therapy is is just talking about it and you sort of just yeah you unlock it really and then that's what it's been it's just been like a constant so i can't really work to be honest with you right because like, of because the, the bipolar yeah i'm constantly like in check on it i'm down you know Fuck, I got in all sorts of trouble. I right. can't fucking really go into, but I got into fucking sure. all sorts of mischief. And yeah, yeah. Especially coming back in year, just like fucking, you know, like everything, you know. Couldn't get into trouble in America. I'd be deported. Yeah. Never really hit anybody. Never had fights. Yeah. Never, like, was pretty good, you know. Yeah. But back here, I've just been. Well, I guess the also. So I guess you're in Swansea, it's just like, fuck. It's, it's well, it's just, around, isn't it? Yeah. If you want it. Yeah. You yeah. know, it is around. Yeah. Working class community. So now right. I just got, it's just places I don't really go. I don't, I just keep my head down. I don't like, if a fucking fight breaks out, I just, just which is fucking pretty much every week, <laughs> I just stand back and I, you know, you know if, if someone's involved in it, I, I just don't even like, I just do not get involved. Yeah. I mean, it's so gnarly, yeah. 
that the police, they don't even walk. They just go around in vans and pick people up. Right. They don't, it's not even police cars. They it's don't just, even it's bother. It's just vans. Yeah. People, right, get in the van, get locked up. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's just, they're always in twos. Fuck, I don't even know exactly what they do, but it's so much like, fucking petty shoplifting yeah. crackheads going at it fucking like well and also like you know you you must have seen a change when you came back oh seismic change Cause, like cause, unbelievable cause for, for, you know we've talked a bit about growing up in the UK in the in the 80s and, and all that and there was more support like yeah. there was definitely more support yeah. for kids for, yeah. for communities yeah. for communities like this for communities yeah. like where I grew up yeah. like there was and that's kind of gone now, isn't it? Yeah. In the, and you must have seen that, like having spent time in America it, it, and coming back here and, and seen the difference, right? In America too. I mean, there's so much more homeless people in America than what America. But America's, America's never had that welfare state no. safety net, has no. it, that we had for, but which, even, which even also here, comes it's from... Like, it's like, fuck, I got, I got some friends who were, who were working in rehab and whatnot. There's only six rehab beds in South Wales. Well, they're all getting, they're all getting, yeah. there's no money for them anymore. No, there's, there's nothing, nothing, there's no support. No. So how so how's it been for you then? Like, because you said that one of the reasons that you felt like it was home was that you did have that support yeah. from the well, NHS. I did. I did, um, I did sixteen weeks with this psychiatrist who was really good. He sort of specialised in post traumatic stress with soldiers and whatnot, and he was really he was awesome. So I talked to. Him. I did sixteen weeks with him. That was good, and then I jumped into the system of social workers, right. doctors now. Do you know what I mean? I don't really get on with a doctor. I don't like the, I don't like getting analysed anymore. No. So I get analysed all the fucking time. Right. Last episode was kind of like back in February. The episodes will go kind of from not sleeping. Right. If I don't sleep for two nights or something, I'll get I'll get something in my head and it'll start reeling. And yeah. then before I know it, I'm just like fucking uh, the police are at the door like quick. Yeah. So now I've just. I just sort of slow down and I'm just always keep myself in check, yeah. always in check. But when you're in the system, it's like, I'll spend fucking days just trying to get something out of a bank or like, or trying to get into fucking money or trying to like, just, it's just a fucking constant, constant. It's like I, I Daniel Blake. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the born identity. Well, it's just going around it's your real. circles. It's real. your head against the wall. It's like, real it's, it's or brutal. like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It is the way that that lack of support, yeah. a lack of safety net yeah. is, is that's how it's impacting people, isn't it? And then, you know, and then yeah, like you know, like the weather's been brutal since October. We've had yeah. like eight gnarly storms. It's been grim. In. It's been fucking awful. Yeah, I got sick. I'd, what I have, I had fucking COVID and whooping cough at the same time. It was right, like, fucking. Well, hell. There's a lot of it around at the minute. Yeah, was, Everyone's there, lovely. Brutal, yeah. Ill, and it still, it just doesn't go. Yeah, it just stays we on you. We can probably hear it in me. I've, yeah, I've got, still got, got it now. I've, I've still got me fucking. I've got me third coughing up phlegm yeah. from like fucking four months ago. No, I'm the like, same. I'm the same. It's been brutal. Yeah, and did so. Did if you don't mind me asking, did that? How did you find the experience of of having that kind of therapy and that psych? Did was, it was that, it's, it's, it's good, but it's like it's fucking hell like you know when you come out bipolar you don't really work again right you yeah. don't like oh I'm fucking nuts you, you you do push you kind of lose everything then you put you, you know I, I kind of have lost for all sense and graces you know everything you know I have for fucking having episodes luckily thank god no one got hurt in the episodes you know what I mean yeah. like it was just me fucking put him away get him down that's what they do they just you know you go in the fucking you go into um, 
fucking mental institution and they they drug you and they bring you down. They yeah. just drug you and put you back on the clock. Yeah, it's not... You're bouncing off the fucking walls. It's not that it? sophisticated, is it? No, it's, not, no. it's not, not all that. And you get to learn all that too. Yeah. But then there's, there's so much... Um, there's so much stink, stigma around mental health and there's so much like, oh, I'm back in the fucking... They call it the Coyote. You're right, Kevin Coyote. It's a Victorian um, home. And you like, you're so scared of it as a kid. Like your dad's like, oh, you're going to put me in the coin. You think monsters are up there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. so afraid of these institutions when they're not like that at all. No. Like there's fucking like one-on-one nursing up there. There's always tons of women up there looking after you. Yeah. And it's like, it's care to get you better. Yeah, yeah. It's mental health. Well, it kind and of it, reflects the way that now people will talk yeah, about it's, it, doesn't it's, it? It's so different than what it is. It's there for, you know, the help. But I don't like... I don't know fuck if I think the doctors know what they're fucking doing, right? Because all, all the pills, they're all downers, the moon stabilizers, whatever. They they always want to put you on a pill. Yeah. And then this happened to me. I was on lithium for maybe two years. And I talked to the social worker. So I, I said, like, I fucking don't know what's happening here, but I cannot fucking... All my drive, my artistic, to take photos and to do things, it just doesn't exist anymore. She goes, oh, that's because you're on 800 mil of lithium every fucking day right so i'm spending two hours looking at the ceiling in the morning before getting out of bed and i and i was like oh fuck i'm gonna stop so i stopped in january i stopped taking pills i just cleaned it up a little bit i had a, I had a dicky heart problem a couple of years ago at the end of 2020 and that like i stopped smoking i stopped i like really did sort of clean my shit up a little bit so yeah. i feel well i have to really there's no choice so because so many fucking temptations here you know what I mean you're yeah. always out someone's always offering you something so yeah, I've yeah. So, so stopped all that I drink still but I've just I've just it's been like I have changed you know yeah well I think from experience of friends and relatives who've been through similar things a big part it seems to, to me is that you have to try and they do basically have a bit of an approach to it, like here's some drugs yeah. you know here's what we're going to treat you with yeah and I don't think I've ever met anybody or spoken to anyone that's been a pleasant experience for. No. You know, and I think what they've had to do is basically like navigate that to work out how they can manage it on their own terms. Yeah. And maybe they'll use those yeah. things as if, when they, but really it's not that sustainable, is it? If you're no. going to get back to like the life. It's, it's not. And for you, the creativity as yeah. well. I mean, do you miss that then? Do you miss Yeah, the... I do a little bit. I'm sort of getting back there now. Neil's been a good help and like I've had other, you know, other people pushing me on. So that's been good. You posting more on social media and people yeah, I saw that. noticing that. I saw that you've been doing so that. That's been so that's been good. So yeah. Getting confidence back a bit. But I do I what gets me when I see all these things about men's health and all these people like these fucking guys talking, you're like men men's health and mental health is all to do with these circumstances. You could catch a couple of fucking really bad breaks yeah. and you're fucking downhill really quickly. Nothing can change that of what's happened to you. You're just a victim of circumstance. And, and and everyone's got different circumstances, so it's, you can't go. Oh, no, if you think positive now, yeah. you get your shit together. You do a bit of cold water. Everything's cold water fucking, swimming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go in the water. You know, have a fucking ice bath. Here's a dry rope. Yeah, <laughs> go on a fucking vegan diet, and you'll be all right. It's just not like that. Life is not like that. It's way more. You know, there's complications in it. Like it's, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. Hard. And but I, I mean, I do understand. Like I think I think that. I mean, I just took the piss and obviously like, I, I think 
that general conversation is it's got to be healthier, hasn't it? That people will yeah. that will be yeah. prepared to even the fact that we're on air yeah, having this conversation is, sure. yeah, is, is, good. is a change, yeah. isn't it? You know, and it's then, like, especially with the NHS, right? There is help out there. Yeah, but it, and if you are struggling, you've just got to go in and go get a social worker or just go in and get fucking help. You yeah. can do that without even you know, making a big scene about it. So if you are fucking struggling with anything or you're worried about anything or you're having like fucking suicidal thoughts, whatever, you just got to talk about it yeah. and do therapy. And that's the only way you're going to get rid of it. Yeah. You've got to keep yourself in check yeah. all the time. And and did, has it helped you, you know, you mentioned some pretty grim sounding experiences when you were a kid. Like, has it helped you kind of reconcile that as well? Yeah, yeah, all, all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, the guy did it, he's dead now. So it's all it's all been like, you know, but like, you know, I'm like, if someone fucks me over, I never ever forget it. If someone does something to me, it's kind of always in the back of my mind. Yeah. But now I'm just like, oh, man, you just got to fucking let it go. You yeah. cannot fucking be angry at everyone and everything all the time. That's not easy. Though. And it's not you. It's not easy. And it's not me. Like, I get mad, like, watching the football now, right? I'm just like, everyone's diving. Well, what's United? I'm just going what's, like, what's United will do screaming. Like, <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Like, nothing. I'm just like, Putting fucking years on me. Yeah. Yeah, watching Anthony on the right wing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no Alan Curtis, yeah. But that, that's been really good, just the football and all the sport and all that has been, I've been really enjoying it. I've been, um, I just like going to the pub and watching the footy. It's just been a good, you know, I've always been sporty. The family always been sporty, so it's always been, you know, and the Gower too, we got, we got like, we just got a good, we got a good senior yeah. and saying all the, the shortcomings of it, it's like fucking like 40,000 students come in. Well, I just it's fucking drove mad. past that university yeah. and I didn't quite realise what a big uni town this yeah. was because I was like, fucking hell. There's, there's like four that. big campuses. Here. Yeah, an I was art like, campus. right, this is, this is obviously... Med- it's an engineering college. This is a medical college. Yeah. There's three massive campuses here. Huge part of the local yeah. community and economy, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful city, this, isn't it? Yeah. Like on a day like today. Yeah. Like that. Like a like I said, coming around that corner, seeing that that view down the Bristol Channel. I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty. It's bloody beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, do you think it's like it's like a natural bay? Too. Yeah. It's just a natural. I went to uh, Larne, is it? Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Because I grew up reading Dylan Thomas. Because he's was he from Swansea? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that spot is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, how much do you think South Wales has kind of shaped you as a person? Oh, 100%, isn't it? Fucking, you know. Because it is a real... Everyone I know from South Wales, it's it's not even like... Um, it's not like a Manchester thing where everyone fucking harps on about it. Yeah. Or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's a bit subtler than that, but yeah. it's a real... It's a very real thing, isn't it? Yeah. There's something about this yeah. part of the world and this community. And I think a lot of it from the outside is to do with the sort of cultural history that we've talked about. But then what you'd get in town now, right, right, I'm from town, right. Now you go down Mumbles, that's a different fucking thing. That's middle class people in a different world. You won't even see anyone of colour down there. Yeah. It's just white grannies, basically. Yeah, yeah. And you go up to fucking Morriston and that's just another fucking, people are just different in Morriston. And then you go up the valleys and like, fucking as soon as you go in the valleys, they're just like a different person. Yeah. Right? Boroughs in town, it's a little bit, everyone's a bit sharper, they're yeah. a bit more together, they've definitely got street smarts. You have to grow up that way, you know, the fucking, it's a rough, it is 
it is a rough city. Yeah. And there's no toys about that. Well, I mean, it's just a British city, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know, for like sure. They're, they're all rough at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, yeah. no matter what you think. Now, yeah. I don't think it's overstating it. It's just, just cities, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like. But then there's way, you know, there's lots of, you know, there's loads of, there's definitely ways out, but it's fucking, there's no work, you know? No. But there is work because most of the kids now, they leave, they get apprenticeships. Well, I drove past a massive Amazon depot. Yeah, it's that in it now. It's Amazon and fucking coffee makers. Yeah, exactly. Baristas. Yeah, it's literally. There's loads of work in social care and all yeah. that. There's loads. There's no. Yeah, that's a growth area. Yeah, <laughs> but it's no like. Um, it's not like it was when you know when, no, when when like Thatcher came in when I was a kid. So I left school. There was no fucking work. They just privatized everything. Yeah. So it's not like the seventies when everyone had fucking work. You know. Yeah. So as you view it where you come from changed since you've come home mm-hmm. has your view of Swansea the south like the south yeah. Wales did, like how's it changed from when you went to the states oh it's fucking gone downhill completely I would have said oh it's not a patch on what it was like when I left like really Cardiff had taken all the money from parliament has gone into Cardiff right Cardiff has all the money even you go to Cardiff it's like a different world yeah there's no really investment in, in, in the Swansea Per se, there is a little bit, but right. yeah, but not but not a lot. Um, oh, here's a good thing I'll show you now. But we had um, we built the skate park. The boys built the skate park. It took ages doing the mumbles, and it got built last year on this real prime land. Right. And that was such a success that the council gave a million to skate park development. Right. So this is the map of. This is how many parks they want to build. So in South Wales, yeah, around there. Yeah. Oh wow! Fucking hell! Look at that. Yeah. So we have. This is where they want to put. So there's like one. There's like twenty parks. Yeah, there's twenty parks there. And what? So what's driving this then? Um, the success of the um, the Mumbles Park here. As in, like what it did for the yeah. community, basically. Yeah. So yeah. they're making the connection from yeah. a bit like what we were talking on, about. Um, it got built on really gnarly land right like this was millions potentially right it's on the front so and then that was just a really big success story yeah that's and amazing then what happened then in um in covid they had a million that didn't go into a budget it didn't get used right and they put that then to um to skate park development and then these are kind of like this road and this road are bike tracks. Yeah, in. I was going to say it looks like there's there's a bit of, yeah. bit of sort of trails going yeah, on there so as well. Yeah, so these are bike and in that yeah. pure Kilvade is a massive mountain bike park. Yeah, they're going to have a zip wire going up there. So right. Like, so potentially, I mean, it could be, and it is massive because the surfing loads of people students come here just to surf. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I I always well I go to Pembrokeshire quite a lot. Yeah, so the surf is all you know from here really Langland all the way down. Yeah, well you you would have had a good surf last few weeks, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. it's been really good. Yeah, did you surf when you were a kid? Yeah, like actually was a surf photographer. Right, I didn't know that. Yeah, right. So that's how I started. Is that how you got into it? Yeah. Right. When was that then? Early eighties. Eighty four. Right. Well, wow, but that was a fucking pretty gnarly scene well, back then. <laughs> was br- it was fun because I'm. <laughs> I couldn't afford a long lens, so I bought a, and a camera housing, so I actually went in the water, I was a water photographer. Right. So that was like real trial and error. Have but you still I did got actually learn a lot from all that. that? Have you still got all your... No, I got none of that stuff. Ah, really? I never kept... If I didn't use the camera, I would like... Fuck, I'd sell and sell and sell. I've got none of my old stuff. 
Right. Yeah. Ah, that's a shame. And I found water photography really, really hard as well. well. I mean, it's, I still got, um, it's hard now. Yeah. <laughs> it's about that. Yeah. It's hard now with decent wetsuits. Yeah. It's about that. Yeah. Right. Just swimming and getting caught in rips and yeah. like, trying to get in the right spot all the time. Water, not. water probably wasn't great back then. Oh, no. 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 Yeah, it was brutal. And he's still shooting skating? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I still shoot. I still shoot all the time. But most of it now is just, you know, looking at like a fucking, there's like 12 bags of that. Yeah. So I've got to like catalog it. Because when it got like moved in America, it didn't get shifted back properly. So right now I've got like maybe 10 ideas for books and people who have reached out and potential shows. And then, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Shows I'm, in do, the, shows I'm in doing the a UK. show here now in the, in the Glenviv. It's going to be in September. Okay, it's a right. big art gallery. Nice. In Swansea. In Swansea, yeah. Right. And that's going to be just on Swansea skateboarding. Just the heritage of Swansea skateboarding. And yeah. Some stuff that people haven't seen. And then all people that have came down and visited and, yeah, and yeah. shot photos here. Yeah. Because over the years, I got like... Fuck, I have so much like Scottish skateboarding right. through, the, through the years going up there. And, yeah, yeah. You know, just the cities as well. I have like loads of... Um, oh, but yeah, I mean, I bet you've got the record of it all, really. Yeah. You? Yeah. So I, did, I traveled so much yeah. over, over did that Did you have time. like that period then before you went to the States where you were doing that with... Oh, yeah, because I spoke to Thomas Campbell the other week and he was saying you like did that trip in 91, maybe? Yeah. The Cardinal, yeah. the yeah. Gons trip. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's the... I might even have it. Let's see if I can find it. Someone sent me, I think it's one of yours. Cardiel, Bristol, Dean Lane. Yeah. Is that one of transfer, yours? Transfer, yeah. Yeah, with the front side, you know the you know the, what I mean. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So did you have that where you did the you did the like the basically what you did in the says you just did all the UK, like every scene, like yeah. just yeah. Yeah. So that must have been Oh it was yeah, that was unreal. That was Yeah, that must have been a right laugh. I was team managing that fucking in this shitty transit van, but yeah. then Fuck, we're talking dark ages. We go to a demo, there'd be like fucking 20 kids there, maybe. 38 mil yeah. wheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cardio, I'll just want to tear up. So, yeah, I'm going to find this because so, I talked about this with Thomas. Because I just really remember that shot and, and being a bit like, you know, yeah. mind blown, basically, yeah. that that was what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And he someone sent. Yeah, that, that, I, I dig it out when we finished. But yeah, yeah. Cardiel was just like he shut down everywhere he went. Every day, he was yeah, like, Ollie something never been Ollie. Well, I don't think we'd ever really seen the like. I'd really no, like no point one over seen it. anything like that. No. no one was like going fucking six foot over. No, the it's hips just a bit like fucking, okay, yeah. what like yeah yeah yeah. That was a big, big, big change. And that was really cool too. Who was it? Ron Allen, Mark Gonzalez. Carl Matashev, Alan Peterson was on it. Yeah, that's and, quite a heavy crew, isn't it? And Cardiel, yeah. yeah. And they all sort of like Cardiel knew Karma and that lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking, it was definitely heavy. Yeah. And then Gons really won skateboarding. He'd been like, maybe in for a year, doing art in New York, so no one had seen Mark for a year. And then he like, fuck, he, that's when he hit me, jumped into South Bank. Yeah, and yeah. And he was doing stuff like fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. You know, he didn't really re-skate, but he was just, he would go, you know, Mark would just, when Mark goes, Mark goes. And yeah. That's just, you know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and getting to meet Mark was really good too. Well, I bet. Yeah. Well, like you said earlier, you were meeting your heroes, weren't you? Yeah. 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 And you were getting to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. Which must have been, well, you know, again, from a kid from Swansea. Yeah. Pretty. I shot Mark in, 
89 maybe right when he was over no when i was over there i went to a skate camp first year skate camp in 89 that right. was the first time i sort of kind of met i met tom knox and carl tarshiff and all that lot yeah and then i got an in there and i made way met wade and that that following year i met like uh tim brosh and jason adams and all that and so i was in then with all that like younger crew yeah and i was like kind of off and running then yeah i, I had hookups through board really and candle at Santa Cruz they hooked yeah, me yeah. up with the guys yeah yeah so it was, that was really yeah it was really good so how do you feel about it all now looking back fuck I don't I don't I try to not I try to look at it with through being happy and not like so you know so can, you can look back and get it can be sad you know, yeah because you said because you, you know you said earlier like you didn't it took you a long yeah. time to look at it was that yeah. do you think that was kind of trauma from what happened i don't know i just think yeah i think if i'd have gone in and kept photographing or been involved in skateboarding some way i i wouldn't have felt the same way because it was so just abrupt and the cut was so it was pretty harsh yeah you know, coming back straight away it was like i always thought that oh, i'd be all right and i right you know, i'd get back into it and i'd travel again and everything come around but it it it, 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 it has not been uh it hadn't been easy but fucking, it could be worse. You know what I mean? It could yeah, be like, yeah. It could be fucking so much. Especially like, it seems at the moment, fucking, so many friends are dying, and people are like, fucking, people are going so much earlier. You know, from fucking abuse, basically. Yeah. It's been, oh, it's been fucking brutal. Yeah. A close friend of ours, Nicky, died at the end of the year. Oh, sorry that to hear really that. That was really rough. So it's just been, I don't know. And then you, you just feel a bit useless because you can't fucking do anything, can you? No. Yeah, so it's all been a bit. Yeah, well, getting the grips with all that has been quite, yeah, sad. Yeah, and not being back there really, I miss like oh, people like Hensley and there's some guys I was super super close with, Lance and I had really good friends over there, and I, they just like fucking come over, like just jump on and come over. I'm actually going on a, I'm doing some, a show with Matt at the end of the year as well, so I'll be I will be going back somehow this year. Right. So yeah, Portland hopefully in April. So we'll right, see. and that's of, of your stuff. Yeah, do you just want me to go back and say hello? So that's good. They want to fly me back, so that's really nice. Yeah, and then um, I just got to like yeah, but I'm still sort of apprehensive about. I'll be all right, but I'm just like it's just constantly in your fucking head. Isn't yeah, you're like, wa- you're wary of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you're kind of ready to 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 yeah. to do it. Yeah, and get over there and yeah, and, and start seeing people again. And, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long, it's been, and people have, so many people have reached out via social that, you know, it'd be nice to just get back and say hello. Yeah, well, I reckon you'll have been missed. Yeah. 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 And it'll be pretty, pretty understandably, I reckon people have been wondering what you've been doing. Yeah. You know? Not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you talking to me, mate. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for coming down. No, it's all good, man. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. So there you go. That was me and Skin, and I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said at the beginning, there's a lot of things to think about there. A lot of important themes to mull over off the back of that one. I've spoken to a lot of people about their mental health challenges over the years. And as we discussed in that chat, it is getting better. People are at least openly discussing their, you know, their conditions and their issues. But it's um, it's difficult to think of a conversation that I've had on the podcast that so starkly illustrates the impact it can have on your life and career and how it can change your life irrevocably. And like I said, I'm very grateful to Skin for being open enough about that sh- and, and feeling 
comfortable to trust me to tell that story. So as he mentioned, he's got various projects and shows coming up, so make sure you follow him at Skin Photo on Instagram to keep up to date there. I'd really like to know what everyone thinks of this one. And the best way of doing that is to leave a comment on the Substack page that accompanies this episode, which you can find at lookingsideways.substack.com. Or you can um, head to my Instagram where I'll be posting about this, at We Look Sideways. So yeah, thanks, Skin. Thank you, Mark, for sorting that one out. Thanks, Don, Don Brown, for some insights. Thanks, Thomas Campbell, for some insights. Um, And yeah, big up, Skin. Thanks again. All right, so Housekeeping Corner. The, you know I've had a bit of time off actually I actually took I was looking back at um what I've been doing on looking sideways for the last sort of few months and yeah I did take about a month off I did the Christmas special um which I do every year and but I did I, I had a bit of a break I've, I've mentioned hopefully not too much because you don't want to harp on about these things but I've mentioned that I'm making this documentary about Patagonia at the minute and about them giving their company away. And I basically took two weeks off in December to work on that because I just had to crack on with that, really. And and then I just, after that, I just took two weeks off from everything. Went to France and hung out with friends and family. Drunk way too many five and drives and uh, French cooking wine. And walked the dog on the beach a lot. Did a bit of surfing. Had a good surf on Boxing Day. But really, just had a bit of a break. And I do appreciate, obviously, I've got a lot of paid subscribers at the minute. And, um, you know, I've had a few leave because it's New Year and everyone does that, you know, whatever, really. And I hope if that's you, you're still listening and, you know, you're still a free subscriber. You're obviously still very welcome and your support is much appreciated. But I am aware that people are putting the hand in their own pockets to support this. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people in Substack, when they have these breaks, make a big fucking song and dance about it. But I didn't really want to do that. I just took a bit of time off. But I'm back. I'm feeling refreshed. So um, here we are. And speaking of Substack, one of the things that I do on there, as you'll know if you're a subscriber, that web web address again, lookingsideways.substack.com. I do these open threads, basically. That, that can ask me anything thing where readers and listeners can put their questions to guests and friends of the show. I've done quite a few of them over the years. Um, and they're really brilliant because, you know, obviously people listen to this have different perspectives and viewpoints than I do. So you get you get some really interesting stuff. So anyway, the other week I was, because I was sort of thinking about skin and know that him and Thomas Campbell are good friends. I asked Thomas if he'd do an open thread and he was like, well, I'll do it, but I'm not going to sit there typing out all the answers. How about you ask people to give me questions then me and you record an episode of the podcast where you ask me the questions now I was obviously like wicked we get to another chat because we did get on like a house on fire when we did that one last year so that's what we're doing so um, last week I posted that open thread and if you head to the Substack page you'll see that open thread and that's where you can leave your questions for Thomas and there are some really really good questions on there at the minute actually Thomas has donated a signed print there's a prize for the best question from a paid subscriber. The current front runner for me is this question by Rich Mitchell, who writes, why is music and art made by mainly left-wing people? Are right-wingers missing a creative gene? Shots fired, eh? There's also another intriguing question that asks, 
We live in a world that demands everyone needs to take a side in an argument, no matter how knowledgeable they are on the subject, and that everything is at risk of having political or social context added to it. With that in mind, Thomas, do you think this is impacting the creativity of arts for art's sake? So, you know, even, I mean, they're really good questions, right? You've still got time if you want to add a question for Thomas, because I think we'll probably get together this week. This is getting released, consults calendar on Oh, hang on. Where is my calendar? Dynamite podcasting this, isn't it? Monday the 22nd of January. That's when this is going out. And then you'll have a few more days, basically, to ask Thomas your questions. Now, that last one about art for art's sake and everyone needing an opinion about absolutely everything these days on social media struck a bit of a chord with me, actually, as segue alert. I've been copying a fair amount of flack on Instagram through the old DMs about why I'm not posting about uh, Gaza and nailing my colours to the mast when I'm happy to post about, for example, the state of the water in Brighton or I had a bit of a pop at Protect Our Winters for their Glacier campaign the other week. Um, and I got a... It was Friday night. I think the lad had had a few drinks, to be honest. Um, I recognised him because he seems to look at a lot of my stuff. And... You know, fair enough, he was like, look, you know, you, you're happy to post about a lot of stuff, but you don't post about this, and you're quite cynical about a lot of stuff, and, you know, why don't you, why are you not posting about this? Like, what, you know, what, I'd love to know what you think, and I don't really get why you're not posting about it. I've had a few other things, like, I've had people, like, you know, kind of say, like, I'm really disappointed that you're not posting about this. I've given this a fair amount of thought. You probably won't be surprised to hear if you listen to this for a while. And I thought I'd kind of chat about that here, really, um, given it's my little... I mean, we are deep into my little corner of the internet here, so I can kind of fucking say what I want, really. Um, so I'm going to talk about this. So I guess the first point I wanted to discuss was as surprising as it might be to people who followed what I do for a while, or even anyone who works for me and has um, heard me opine and spout off about all manner of topics over the years, I don't personally feel obliged to proffer a public viewpoint on every single issue. I do obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but I do harp on about a fair amount of things, but only things that I tend to have a clearly formed view on or when I feel I can add something of value to the conversation. And if I don't feel like that, I don't speak about it really. Now, I'll say for the record, I don't really include sharing memes of other Instagram accounts as adding something of value to the conversation. I know a lot of people do, but I don't. Um, I also know that there's a line of thought out there that demands that you see the world as this black and white, good versus evil, Manichian place, and offer value judgments, judgments accordingly. But I don't really see the world like that. Um, so there's that. The other thing is as well, I would personally question whether posting on social media actually achieves anything. I did um, share... Um, a petition, I believe it was, um, that Eastkey Britain, my friend, shared with me, which was a bit more of a formal, like, you know, the undersigned in the surf industry, like, want to kind of publicly express their viewpoint on this. I signed that. I shared that. That felt like a little bit more of a significant way of me um, expressing my view on the matter. Um, but I don't know if I think that posts on social media actually achieves anything which again is quite funny because I do that a lot um but I tend to do that just to ask 
questions really and to try and encourage i don't know try and get people to think about that it sounds so fucking full of myself that don't want to make people think about things but you know the protect our winters thing is a good example like the whole reason that i kind of ranted about that i just thought it was really badly executed at the end of the day and i thought it really um didn't help their argument and i strongly believe in their argument so i and i also felt like i was quite qualified to talk about that i mean i've i run a marketing agency i've run one for years and um i kind of feel like i know a little bit about that game about how to communicate on those issues um because i do it for a living so you know i felt like i could i felt like i could add something to that conversation it was interesting because the lad that was having a you know debate with me in my instagram dms raised that and he was like you were being so snide about that but then he went on to say like but it did really make me think about the way they could handle it better and i was a bit like well that that was the point so i'm glad that happened um now i appreciate that with something as horrific as gaza um you know i think when people do post about it and i would say on both sides of the line because obviously you know what i'm getting asked to do is like um call is what Israel are doing the genocide and support Palestine but you know equally there's a lot of people that have the opposite viewpoint who are also sharing stuff on social media I do understand that it makes people feel like they're at least drawing attention to the issues or making a difference somehow I also understand that for a lot of people it's just a manifestation of horror um, and I also just feel that getting your views on something as and I'm going to say it complicated as what is currently going on in the Middle East and Africa from Instagram isn't that helpful um or Facebook Facebook even less although I haven't been on there for about 10 years now um I mean personally I'd rather read as much as I can from people with a deep understanding of the topic and form my opinions that way um old fashioned I know I made that point on Instagram to this person and he kind of said, like, people should be able to speak their views without having to put together a dissertation. I mean, I actually find that a bit of a silly line of argument. I don't think asking people to be a bit more informed about this stuff or read the odd book is is that big a deal, really. Um, I also just don't think making simplistic statements about immensely complicated things that have their roots in 3,000 years of violently contested history, for example and which has defeated some of the um, most cynical and adept players politically in that time helps the situation too much. But that's just me. And I, I made that point on social the other day. And it went from naught to you're a supporter of genocide in about five seconds, which again reminded me of why I don't really engage in that conversation on social media. Um all of which is explaining why I haven't. So, um, yeah, probably not the most fashionable of takes on this whole febrile, I believe is how you say it, situation. But I've been asked about it a lot recently. So here I am. Um, And that's all I've got to say about that. So that's enough for this week. Thanks for bearing with me. Um, If you're still here, good on you. And like I said, thanks for, you know, sticking with it while I had a couple of weeks off. Thanks for continuing to support what I do. Thanks for listening to this episode and thank you, Skin, for, uh, like I said, on numerous occasions to trust and for really going there in that one. All right, have a good one. I'll see you next time. Nice one. (laughs) 